0: This episode is brought to you by Nourish by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist-recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish is a personalized vitamin regimen customized to you. Backed by 45 years of science, they remove the guesswork from your vitamin regimen. With thousands of happy customers, Nourish is a trusted supplement brand by many. Visit Nourish.com to create your customized package today.
1: And welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Weff, and yes, the World Cup is over. Back to the bread and butter of club football. Although, I feel my first guest, he's going to be very happy with how this World Cup ended. Because, yeah, he he got it right. I have to admit it, he did get it right. Andrew Flint, Good. everyone.
2: Good.
1: <laughs> the, the, Oracle, <laughs> hey, man, the Oracle from tumen <laughs> Did you
0: predicted yeah. France the World Cup. I, I'm, I'm, I'm also, I'm also man very happy. Uh, I'm ignoring the second round of Fennel matches that Chumen were for at least one brief moment top of the table this season. Um, mm. So, you know, it's been a pretty good, uh, pretty good few weeks for me. Got, got the World Cup winner right. Chumen were top of the table for a little bit um so yeah life is good life is good so i'm not quite sure what's
1: worse: it's coming home or andrew gloating for the next four years that he had got the world cup <laughs> winner right
0: it's as good as coming home in my books <laughs> okay well, well we'll give you that
1: tim we have to concede right andrew got it right he uh <laughs> predicted the world cup winner I guess um, we're just going to give him all the predictions today from when we talk about the Russian Football Premier League, right, Tim?
2: <laughs> yeah, there's no way competing with such an accurate predictor like Andrew Flint all the way from Tumen So, uh, yeah, we just have to back up and <laughs> lead the Oracle and like give him the, the road. We're just going to call him the
0: Oracle for the rest of the year until yeah. he gets all the predictions. <laughs> and <longer>. the Oracle. <laughs> I, I just want to say, guys, this is a fantastic pod. I'm loving this podcast. So far. <laughs> brilliant stuff. Good start on the season, huh? Yeah, Andrew. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can predict as long
2: as you want. Just predict that Spartak win the leagues. And I'm very happy with your predictions. Oh,
1: well. Yeah, but-
0: I, I, I can live with that. I can make that deal. No
1: okay, well hopefully you do make that prediction and hopefully you get it right. Otherwise we'll have to uh withdraw your oracle title. Um,
0: uh, <laughs> no, no 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 you've given me the title now, it's mine. I'm I'm holding on to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you get the belt for at yeah. least a season and then we'll see what happens after that. Well boys, yeah, you heard it right. The world cup is over, and uh we're back to the bread and butter of uh club football. And um yeah. Tim, um what do you make of this rebrand? A Russian <laughs> bear in the middle of a football logo, Russian Premier League. They yeah, got rid of the football in the title as well. Just Russian Premier League now.
2: What do you think? Um, Well, just from a fan perspective, it's slightly different because I think we are really all um, are used to calling the Russian uh, League as RFPL, Russian Football Professional Premier League. And uh, the, um, the, 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 FA decided to change the branding and change the, the name of the league. So now from now on, the league will be called RPL. I'm not sure if they're trying to just, um, do, you know, kind of follow what English Premier Link is called now. Uh, but, um, this, uh, the, I like the, the bear because the bear is kind of the Russian animal. Um, the, the logo is, is okay. You know, to me, it doesn't really matter how the what the logo is. Uh, but um, you know, they say that this is uh, that this rebranding moves the league forward. You know, I'm not sure if it does or it doesn't. Uh, we'll see. You know, I think the league is it moves forward not by the uh, their logo and name of the league. It moves forward by your attendance by your the players which you have and i think way more important that now we have way more good stadiums in the league than uh the the name of the league changed uh lost uh one letter uh, i think the you know the stadiums are way more important in terms of the development of the league. but um, to me it doesn't really matter okay whatever you call the league we we're we, we gonna cover it
1: and i like the bear Russian Premier Liga. Okay, well, that means I have to change all the tax on footballrad.com. That's going to be very <laughs> annoying. <laughs> so you don't like the rebranding? <laughs> it's, it's work. Um, no, it, it's 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 all right. I mean, um, it, it's very aggressive looking, and I'm not sure if this is a night wolf kind of thing or a bear, but it's yeah, I, I, I'll, it'll grow on me. It's it's better
2: than what the logo was in the previous years, but um, Tim. I, th- I thought I will never, I will never be able to call Terek Ahmad. And a year later, I'm pretty got used to Ahmad. So, you know, yeah. I think after a year, we'll get used to it.
1: I finally changed the tag. Watch them to change the name back to Terek. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I, I won't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, that would be the the outcome. But I'm glad you bring up the new stadiums because before we dive into the um, Premier League action, um, And Andrew, this is one for you because you follow the FNL quite closely. Attendance numbers were quite impressive and some of the new World Cup stadiums in the second divisions weren't there.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. Um, And, you know, of course, there's the obvious... You know, World Cup fever that's still hanging over, you know, people got a taste of a lot of these stadiums before the World Cup for the last two or three league fixtures, but they have been really good. Uh, we had about 30,000, uh, 26,000 in Saransk, in, in Mordovia. Now, that, to be fair, in the Mordovia Arena with a pretty poor team with no history, that that really is quite impressive. I, was, I didn't expect to see that many. Um I'm expecting Crelia to have a very, very good attendance because they traditionally always have had a good attendance, yeah. um, even in their, their old old stadium. But now with the Cosmos Arena, yes, it's a long way out of town, but it is absolutely fantastic. That's all the World Cup stadium are. So, so far, so good. Um, yeah, I mean, without wanting to prick the bubble too much, yes, the, te- the real test is over the course of the season, but it's definitely a good start, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I just, you know, I'm just looking at the attendance numbers and, uh, Rotor, uh, played Luch. Um, so that's Volgograd, of course. And they had 30,000 at their first home game at the, um, the new World Cup stadium in Volgograd. Nishin against Tuman, your team, um, Andrew, 18,000 at that stadium and, yeah. uh, Baltica. Against, uh, Tombov. Now, Tombov is not exactly, um, you know, a huge draw. Let's be polite. Let's call it not a huge draw. <laughs> and, um, that was 10,000. And again, these are second division numbers in, in Russia. And
2: just to make for the listeners who maybe don't follow FNL, because the average attendance of FNL is around, uh, slightly less than 5,000. That's just season average attendance. So having 30,000 at the game, it's like, uh, It's very impressive. It's like how much, how many people come in the whole fixture, if like in whole wide game in the previous season. So it's, it's very impressive numbers.
0: Yeah. You know, you know, one, there is one thing, uh, slightly negative thing I'm going to mention at this point. Um, and the one worry I have is that these tendencies are going to be high at these World Cup stadiums for at least the next few rounds, hopefully for longer. But what I'm concerned about is if, As I probably expect to happen, the attendances do drop off in the second half of the season. The leagues, um, you know, the the RFU will use these figures that will be vastly inflated to say, look, football's fixed. We've got fans back into the stadiums um, without actually saying, well, hang on a minute. It is partly a partly artificial number because of the World Cup effect. Um, Now, I hope I'm proven wrong. And I hope that fans do keep the attendances up over the whole season. Knowing the Fernie I do, I kind of know it won't happen, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna hope I'll be proven wrong on that one.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good point that you bring this up, Andrew, because I did write an article on this and I have, I have had this experience and that, you know, um, the season ahead of the World Cup with the Allianz Arena being opened a year ahead of the 2006 World Cup in Germany and 1860 playing there in the second division. We had what we called, um, afterwards World Cup tourism and that uh, was people that wanted to get inside the new stadium, see the new stadium, and watch a match. Now, Bayern have every game sold out, right? So 1860 had 44,000 people on average in the second division for a season, which is very oh. so that's a lot. It's a lot of people. But um it turned out that those numbers were hugely inflated because of World Cup tourism. And then the season after, it was 36,000. So those were all people that took the trip to Munich to see the World Cup Stadium because, you know, as a World Cup, not everyone is able to go to the games, to the actual World Cup games. So the best way to see the stadium is, well, I guess we'll see see a cup game there, but Bayern is always sold out, so they went to 1860. So, you know... I call this phenomena World Cup tourism, and um the you we really point out something really important here, Andrew, because World Cup tourism I think is exactly what inflates those numbers. How many of those uh-huh. people going to the games at the moment are those that did not manage to go to a World Cup game and just want to see the new facility and I mean these stadiums are posh, they're really nice uh, we were both able to see a few of them from the inside cover games from them in the inside so. I think that is really, um, you point something really important out here because looking at the numbers now, of course, these are great numbers, but, um, they don't mean that football is fixed. Um, you will have, you will need success. You will need to have continued success. So a team like Rotor Volgograd and Nizhny Novgorod, they need to go up into the first division.
2: Otherwise, those numbers are going to drop quickly. Exactly. See, that, that was my kind of playing devil's advocate, uh, on, on what Andrew says. Like, we obviously on every football fan is for sportsmanship, sportsmanship, because that's the beauty of the game. But actually, I want, uh, I really want, um, uh, two teams which will go up next season to the Premier League to be teams with new stadiums. Uh, because really, like that, that will, uh, increase the attendance. Obviously, because when you have teams like Spartak, Zinice, Sky Dinamo, Coming to play away games that will bring additional fans. So I really think that as many as possible clubs with those new um, stadiums they need to, to end up in the Premier League, and that has to be done kind of maybe through through the investments, through the sponsorship money. So those players get uh, clubs get better players, and I think that will be again a development for for the Russian football. Yeah, but, uh,
0: you know you know somebody else, Tim, who will also want that to happen. Yeah. You the Ru- the Russian government? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. just going to leave exactly. that floating out there with no suggestion of impropriety on any results that may or may not um, happen, shall we say, during the season. I'm not suggesting anything at all. Definitely not.
1: <laughs> it is interesting that uh, Nishni and uh, Baltica got new logos, and then of course we have the new club in Sochi, um, and they're not they're not quite playing at the World Cup arena, right? They they have to play the first few yeah. rounds somewhere else. So we'll be, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think you're onto something, Andrew. I think this is something that we already mentioned on the, the final World Cup podcast, right? That uh-huh. this, this yeah. is a likely outcome that, um, we'll see a lot of those teams play in, in the top, top division very soon. And I mean, you want to have the best stadiums in the country represented in the top flight. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I think the the your thought process leaving it hanging out there, um, I, I can't really disagree <laughs> with that. Um, I mean, that's I, nice.
0: But I mean, I I I realise that that's being very cynical. Actually, I do I do a hundred percent agree with Tim. I actually do want to see it. As well, though, I do want to see it, preferably organically, shall we say. Um, But it's a pointless building these stadiums without having them being used to the maximum variability. And it really, I agree with Tim, it really would benefit the attendances throughout the league because this is something that I certainly have known firsthand. And of course, we all know, um, at least to some degree, that a lot of old stadiums in Russia, well, actually, not necessarily even old ones, just simply ones that are not brand new, are very uncomfortable, very unwelcoming, and fans will stay away, whereas these new ones, for the exact reasons we've been talking about, they will come. So, I do genuinely hope it does happen, that teams with these new stadiums do go up. Uh, and I actually think they one or two might do.
1: Yeah, and I mean, this is definitely a, a topic that we're going to follow throughout the season. We want to give the, the second division in Russia a bit more space this year. That's something that we discussed off the pot, right, Andrew? Um, and because there is a lot of stadiums that are down in the second division this is something that we want to follow because i think it's an interesting storyline and of course you've been located in chuman um there's there's good good reasons to follow that closely as well isn't there but boys i want to move over to the the top flight and um it is a bit of an oddity the russian football premier league starts on the weekend and when I looked at the transfers, because Andrew, you and I, we, we've been writing previews on every club, and the first two parts are already up on footballground.com. The the, the second two parts will will be up around the time that the podcast will come up too. Um, the one thing that I noticed there's been very little transfer activity, and this is something this is a story that we basically are confronted with every year. The, the Russian football Premier League starts very early in July. Um, very closely followed after the World Cup, you know, and that's, that's due to the the long winter break, isn't it? But because of that, we see very few transfer activity. Basically the first few games of the Russian football Premier League are, are test matches. You know, we have German and English teams and Spanish teams playing over in the United States, big test matches against each other. And Russian teams are basically doing this in the first few games of the league. It's, it's a real big oddity. And, um, so we don't have that many transfers yet, do we, Andrew?
0: Well, it is an odd, an odd league in that sense, because, yeah, like you say, the the domestic league is well underway, um, comfortably before the, the window ends. There have been some, there have been some, quite a bit of movement with some of the smaller clubs I've noticed. This is what I, this is what I think is, you know, slightly unique, I guess, is that the bigger clubs, some have done the business, but, um, you get the feeling that many are not finished. Um, I think this is a very big difference actually between the Premier League and the FNAL on the lower leagues because the I mean some clubs below the Premier League just completely changed personnel um, I you know I looked at the team sheet for two last two games. I haven't actually been able to get to the home game. I tried to drive back after the World Cup, but I didn't get back in time and and I, I didn't know about seven or eight of the starting lineup. it was almost a completely new team and the Premier League. Um, I actually think, although there's not been a huge number, I do think a lot of interesting moves have been made. Um, And I think the obvious place really to start is CSK Moscow um, because they have so completely changed their side through retirements and senior players being sold that they're going to be almost a completely different side. Um, But they have brought in one or two uh, young players. Hordor Magnussen, I think, could be quite a good player for them, playing in, uh, having played in England a bit. Um, I think CSK Moscow are the, are the club to watch because they've got obvious moves they need to make. Um, uh, how much they'll be able to do, it, I don't know.
1: Yeah, Tim, uh, CSK Moscow is definitely the one to watch, right? They lost three key defenders in the matter of just a couple of days with Sergei Ignatievich and the Berezutsky Twins retiring. Now, um, Andrew already points out Herdo Magnussen. He sounds a lot like Hodo from, um, Game of Thrones. And if you, <laughs> that's the first reaction that I had. But, um, World Cup star, um, one of the many Icelandic players playing in Russia. There's a lot of them in, in Russia at the moment. Do you, th- do you think they have to do more in, in terms of that? I mean, I personally think yes, but what is your opinion on CSGAR at the moment?
2: Yeah, I'm just, uh, like yesterday in the group chat discuss a little bit, um, what happened. Because if you just really look on, on players who left, Spirizutsky brothers, Signashevich, Musa, Ermblom, Milanov, and Natho. So that's seven players which were in, in rotation and part of the starting lineup. So you're losing seven players. They replaced, um, three defenders with three and other defenders. They, uh, the a player Bakau. Um, uh, Magnusson and Nikita Chernov came back from Oral, Oral from um, the loan, which he, where he was. And I, as I assume, he will be, you know, considered as one of the starting players. They will also have to remember that, uh, Vasin is coming back after the injury. So, depending on which system they will play, uh, they might be, you know, fine in that sense in, in, in central defense. But at the same time, uh, to me, one of the biggest... Uh, of course, losing Berzulski, brothers, Ignashevich, it is important, but it's more for the dressing room. But on the field, they lost uh, Wernblom, which to me was the key player in in CSKA for the past few years. We also all know that uh, Galavin most likely will, will leave CSKA because there's three big clubs which are fishing around, and I don't see why he shouldn't really go. Uh, Go. So I think that Ceska, yeah, they still need to to replace, um, and especially in the in the middle, in the middle of the park, because losing Nacho, who also was uh, or Nacho, how people also call him, he he also was a very important player. So losing Nacho, uh, Milanov wasn't really a key player, but at least he was. We know how how many how little players Ceska always have. So losing Verblan Verblum Milanov and Nacho three fielders which played a lot and they just really not have been replaced and if Golovin leaves then i don't know who will even play in the middle in the middle for, for them so i expect this got to do more but i'm not sure um, maybe they're waiting for the sale of Golovin to get some money maybe that's the plan
1: yeah more they will have to do something i mean that's going to be 35 million um around 35 million euros that they're going to get for Golovin i expect they're going to reinvest that into pretty much strength from every part of that side, from yeah. defense
2: to midfield to attack. I, I think they will have to. And um, But it- for us as an observer, that's a very interesting see because like uh, one of the top sides in Russia changed so much. It will be interesting to see what Goncharienka does with the team.
1: But I, I would actually almost argue to him that that's what Goncherenko wants. He wants to change his team. I mean, he has been slowly but surely... Putting in players from the the academy, he's playing around with with trying to make the side younger, morphing it into more of his his team, right, rather than the team that he inherited from from Slutsky. I, I guess you never want to lose a player like Golovin, but that could be money that they could really could use very well um, to really even further make the transition into a club that is really his. Because remember, he plays very different football in in a lot of ways than Slutsky does. So I think for him this is a very good opportunity, and then we have to, of course, also add the academy system. CSKA have a very good academy system. So I almost wonder if he's going to bring up players from there. What's your
2: thoughts on that? Well, I, I think um, the success showed that, yeah, that that that's a great, um, that you know, that that worked for them because how many young uh, Chalov, Golovin, Jamalidinov, Kuchayev, all those players started playing regularly last season. And they've, and still, Tseska, and, finished second and will be playing in the Champions League. So that, that just shows, okay, that's the, the result is there. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm i think it's not only Ganjirenko, it's just also just like, you know, the life of the events, because, you know, the Perezutsky, brothers, Ignashevich, we all know that they will retire eventually. So it did, didn't, didn't come as a surprise. Wernblom, they had a hard time, um, keeping him for last year so it was kind of also obvious that he will eventually leave so i think those changes were kind of expected and uh, i think uh, yeah it will be a, a mix of uh, bringing those less known new players to the team and uh, maybe adding some more of young players or giving those like young players way more of playing time which is riskier because they're still young but at the same time it's great development for the Russian football just look at uh, Golovin who became the key player uh, of the Russian team nobody knew really knew him three years ago and now he is go will go somewhere to Europe yeah and Andrew I mean we we
1: talk often about the economy system of various clubs CSKA is just one I mean Lokomotiv is another one there is good young players there they just haven't been able to play right and I mean Tim points out some of them. Uh, Timosha Maletinov is, of course, one of the revelations that we saw last year. Uh, Golovin, yeah, everyone everyone knows who Golovin is now. Um, that's definitely a good way forward for them, right?
0: Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I I, actually really, really agree with your point about it being an opportunity um, for Gonchenko. I'm certain that's how he views it, because... You know, he must have known, he must have had conversations with the, the Berzinski brothers and Nick Moshevich, um at the beginning of the season, like last summer, um, asking like, OK, guys, how much longer are you going to play? Are you thinking of retiring? And he's already planning ahead. You know, you've got to remember there's the likes of Nikita Chornov, who, don't, remember, he made his debut before for, for Russia under Fabio Capello before he'd even played for TSK Moscow. And since then, he's been sent out on loan a couple of times. And he actually was very good for it out. Comes back. He's got to be pushed into that side. Um, you know, there's Victor Vassin. There's Rodrigo Bacar on, on loan. I don't know much about him. There's his Hordor Magnussen, who's an international. And if you look at it in that light, it's potentially not too bad. I mean, I know Victor Vassin's injured and they play a back three, so they need numbers, but there are numbers there. Um, I think it's going to be very exciting to see as well Christian Bustrovic, who I thought was absolutely brilliant when he played. Um, I was there at the VB Arena for the, the Arsenal Europa League game, which was one of his first games that he actually played for the club. And he absolutely bossed the midfield as an unknown 19-year-old. Um, and I thought, you know, here's a here's a genuine player. He's not a world-bloom class yet, but he could develop into one. Um, Chayev will be a, a more central player. Um, and Chaloff is a player I've been a big fan of for a long time. I've never quite felt like he was trusted with a proper run of form. I know he appeared in a lot of games last season, but he, he never really played more than three or four games in a row. And when he did, he scored six goals. He was second-top goal scorer last season. Um, so they can build the attack around Chalov. They've got Kachayev in midfield. Um, Gordyshenko has been a, a very a strong player in the U-setup for a long time. Um can can come back in. You know, it's it's not all doom and gloom. And I actually think, Tisca will not lose too much ground this season to make a couple more senior signings. But like you say, the youth setup has, and this is the real test of it this season. It's going to be a huge, huge season for them. But I, I'm actually quite excited for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting watching them. Now we have to move over, move on to, uh, the next club and that's Zanit. And I think to them, the biggest change that Zenit made was coaching. Rather than any transfers, uh, been very act- inactive in terms of transfers. But, uh, Sergei Semak has come in, former club legend, still in a little bit of an inexperienced coach, um, but, you know, made some headway. So We're working with a smaller club last year. What do you make of them?
0: It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
2: But it will be again interesting because um, Zenit has been very quiet on the transfer market, and the main reason, the way I see it, is because so many people return from, um, on, from loan to the squad, and I think Sergei Simak is just trying to figure out who is staying, uh, is um, you know who has to leave the club, and who will be his players in the coming season, and I think that's the main focus because really they have a very strong. Uh, the players who they had on loan, uh, they had uh, players like Djuba, uh, uh, Nabo, Shatov played, uh, didn't play for the team last season because of their relationship with uh, Mancini. Um, so it's, uh, it's time for him to figure out because I think the total of players who right now on contract with the first teams you need is close to 40 players. So obviously he needs to trim that to, to at least 25 something like that. Uh, so that's, I think that's the process is going and uh, to the Russian bookies Zenith is the top team to, to win the season this year. Um, I'm not sure what it based on but uh, at the same time you know i think um, given we've seen the form of zuba um on in this in this world cup um we also know that kakorin is coming back and i think having the russian coach and having that core of russian players um who are willing to play and who really want to win the league for example shatov who wants to prove to everyone and he wants to go to be back in the national team so i see the motivation for the russian players to so work with the russian coach and own for being very, very you know he's a gentleman, and uh, i'm I'm pretty sure that he will he will be able to build his relationships with the Russian corps. My question is a little bit about this uh, the European uh, the European um, uh, tourist uh, organization which uh, was brought by uh, Mancini last year. There's five Argentinian players. I'm not sure way, how they will fit in into the squad. Uh, there's been certain rumors that Paparada doesn't want to play in Zenit. He wants to move away. So he, I'm not sure what's his motivation. Some other players, I'm not sure if they will find the spot. And, you know, if, if, if really Simak will focus on the Russian core and the Argentinian players will be unhappy on the bench, I'm not sure how this will go in, in the dressing room. So that's why it's again, it's interesting to see what will happen in the team because it's really, it's a young Russian coach who, has the chance to do that. Uh, very good for the national team because there's definitely a very motivated Russian core. And, um, Sergei Simak will have to find the balance because they also, again, they have Europa League. So it, there will be some rotation, but, um, I'm curious to see who, who he will pick, uh, as his, let's say 15, 16 players who will be the focus of the team, who will be the starting lineup.
1: Yeah. 11 players coming back from long term. Yeah.
2: That's, yeah. That's uh, it also shows the relationship which Mancini had with players. It's just again another um you know kinda question mark on his behaviour.
1: I I almost wonder if the other Russian teams are just waiting to see who Zenid is going to drop. <laughs> <them>. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Sort of um like, okay, well, who are they going to sell? Um there's going to be a, a wholesale of players. We have uh, players available. Um Russian nationals available as well that we can just pick and choose from, um, kind of like, um, a, a summer sale, I guess. So I, I think that's, that's definitely an interesting one to follow. I mean, when you look at the squad, um, they definitely have a very strong side. So, you know, once Seymour C- C- has been able to, to sort out through the Deadwood, uh, I think he's going, he's going to be, um, left with a very good team. Now, uh, Andrew, uh, <laughs> There's a little bit of a repeat here to last season that their, their first away game is all the way out east, not quite out as east because they're playing this game in yeah. Tuman, um, not, not in Krasnoyarsk, but they are playing Krasnoyarsk. Uh, I don't think they're going to have that Mancini effect though, where, he's where he going to be standing on the sideline and, um, be surprised about the strength of the league because Seymour knows this league in and out, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just a completely different world with uh, with Samak in charge and like uh, like you guys have said the the squad is so strong. Um the NSA squad is also not on remotely the same level, but for a promoted team is very strong. So how they will adapt to playing in the beautiful wonderful Geolog stadium um <laughs> 2 days after I leave Tumen, men I might like to add. So it's not all been good this summer. Um it's uh, it's going to be an odd atmosphere that first game. You know, you've got the bloated squad, you've got Semak coming in, you've got newly promoted team. It's not in either of their cities. How will they adapt? It's an all weather pitch as well, um, and not one that players particularly like playing on. I might add. A lot of the Tumen players complain about picking up injuries all season. Mm. Um, but it's I, I think it's a good first fixture, just for the same reasons as um, Skarzhembarsk was last season get the the most awkward away fixture out of the way early. And like you say, they get a half a freebie by only having to travel half a distance. So, um, I, I have a lot of faith in Semak, um, for the simple reason that you mentioned, he's, he knows the league well, he knows the club well, the club know him well. Um, and I think very, very, very likely outcome of the transfer window is that we won't have all five Argentinians still there. Um, Hanani, Christian Naboy, and Luis Neto, I'm looking at that list of foreigners, Robert Mack, I don't think I wouldn't keep any of them, personally, and I don't think Semak will either. Um Zuba will be one to watch. Uh Shatov certainly will be one to watch. I think he's a, uh, he'll be a wasted talent if he's not blooded into the first team again. Um so Tim, you mentioned that the Zanita made favourites by the Bookies and there's a lot of there's a lot of sense behind that. There's the, the caveat is can Semak actually do the job how we expect him to do it? And I think he will. Um, so, Zanit, yeah, they should be looking, they should be feeling pretty confident, I would say. Um, I expect them to win that first game of the season.
1: So, that really gets us to that question. You both said it already. Boogie is picking Senate uh, to win the title. Um, we've talked about two of the potential teams that could win the title CSKA and Zanit. But who is going to win the title? Is it, I mean, when you look at Loco, um, you guys mentioned they're going to pick up Grichoviak on a loan deal from PSG, right? Huge signing in my opinion, by the way. Are they going to be able to defend their title? What about, um, Spartak, Tim? Yeah, uh, are they, are they going to be bet. able to challenge? So what, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Um I actually, uh, that was kind of when we were setting up the podcast to do. That was kind of the main thought which I wanted to deliver because I think that this year is very exciting uh, for the Russian uh, league and in terms of just the title because there's no obvious favorite and every team will be interesting to watch because uh, we already talked about Zenit and CSKA that they will be interesting to watch. CSKA from the new players coming in, Zenit from the new coach coming in and a very talented and promising uh, russian well respected coach um spartak also made some interesting signings and i guess we'll we'll talk about it and i think that um there are some positive changes ca- happening in the team inside the team and this year i think spartak will be again um one of the favorites to win the league uh, krasnodar is always in is an interesting club and they are always somewhere around the champions league europa league zone and lokomotiv like, to be quite honest I, I don't think that they will uh, because just because of the Champions League, I think that their focus will be kind of there. And um, I don't think they have enough experience to be successful in both competitions. So I think they will lose out slightly, kind of like Spartak did last season when after a successful season, they had issues and, um, they have, they had some successful games in Champions League, but at the same times had some very, Unlucky uh, and uh, not very good games in, in the league. So I think that season. Just to summarize, and we always have Rubin, which we don't know what to expect. But when you have yeah. Kurban Birdiev in the league, you can expect him to uh, win it or at least to make it to the to Europe. So I think that's why this season is very very exciting. And I don't see I don't see one big favorite. For example, last year I thought it will be Zenith with all those signings and bringing in an, an Italian coach who is who knows how to win a league. But well, obviously that proven me wrong. But just this year, I don't see one obvious favorite. I think it's up for grabs and I think it will be a very interesting title race. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, Andrew?
0: Yeah. It's, um, uh, Tim makes a very good point. It is very hard to pick out a clear favorite. I think the most change and therefore potentially the most momentum. Probably is with Zenit because of everything we've mentioned. So I'm certainly putting Zenit uh, in that mix. And I, if I if I really have to pick out one team, I probably would say Zenit. Um, I think it's between them, Loco and Spartak for the title. I mean, it's not a revolutionary prediction to put those three at the top for, for obvious reasons. Loco defending, Spartak have kept on to Quincy Promise, which is which is a success in itself, um, and have maintained most of their squad and. I, I would love to say, Cesc, just purely because I'm very excited about how this new look, young, sort of raw team could potentially knit together. I think it would be a bit over ambitious to genuinely say title winners. Um, I would love for them to be in the mix, but I, I get a the feeling they'll be. They might just be a step too far for them this season. So potentially Europa League for them. Um, yeah, I'd say you, you've got to you've got to say Zenit at this point because they haven't imploded yet. They haven't done a Zenit yet, um, and as long as they don't, they've got it's, it's theirs to lose. I would argue. Um, Loco, to be fair though, they've kept all all of their squad together. And uh, okay, Nemanja Pecinovic has left, but Choluka was injured for a large part of last season, so they've replaced that. Brian Odowu was a good signing for them, I think. Um, versatile, powerful, um, quick. Um, so, and, and with if I've pronounced that right. Yeah, you did it. uh, It's near enough. I think people know who I mean, right? That's, <laughs> that's my job. That's my job done. That deal um, is, co- that
1: deal is complete, by the way. As, as yeah. We, as I mean, speaking. That's,
0: you know, that's, that's a sign of quality. So you can't rule them out. Um, if I had to sit my neck out, I'd go for a Zenit Loco Spartak 1 2 3.
1: Yeah, I think Krikovia, I guess for me, maybe the, the transfer of the season now. Um, I, I, I know that a bunch of other clubs were looking at him. He didn't have the best of years. He was on loan in England, right? Um, last year, but was signed from Sevilla, uh, by, from, by PSG from Sevilla. And of course, this is the very successful three times in a row UEFA Cup title winner Sevilla. So uh, this is a player who I, I really liked, uh, when he was at his prime. And he's still the only 28, so he can really pick up his game. So I think that's, that's a, that's potentially a title winning pickup. If I'm, if I'm allowed to call it that, I think that's um, a huge transfer in, in many, many ways. I'm really, really curious to see how, how he's going to get on. And, um, you know, you have to remember too that, uh, Loco, of course, they, they're going to carry that momentum. But Tim makes a good point with the Champions League. We'll see how they get on with that. Um, The one team that neither one of you really mentioned, and I think is, is one to watch, is Krasnodar. No one mentioned Krasnodar. Why not? I mean, come on, guys, look at them, what they've done in the, in the transfer window. And I bet you they're still not done. They're going to probably make some more signings because they're no longer under uh, financial fair play investigation. So they can, they can spend some money. And, um, if they're able to hang on to Fido Smoloff and considering that he had, um, sort of a World Cup to forget, there's a high chance they can. Um, they're straight into Europa League so they don't have to play those awful qualifiers, right? So they can focus on the, on the league right away and, um, slowly but surely feed in new players. I think that they could finally, you know, and they've been trying to crack that Champions League nut for a long time. I think that they could finally do it. What is you guys' thoughts on that, Tim?
2: to be quite honest i'm not big on uh, krasnodar as a title contender i think they don't have that uh, their mentality of that which galitsky kind of pushes on the club is that they need to win uh, that more, most importantly it's to pay b- beautifully them to get the result i think that's what's stopping the, from them to be in the a real title contender because with all the with that vision, I think sometimes they lack. Sometimes just that, you know. Sometimes exactly what helped Loco to win the the league uh, last year. Some some victories were very very tough, and it was last minute one nothing away goal after a dull game. But to be champions, you need to win those games. And I think this this mentality is lacking in Krasnodar. I want them to see. I want them because because it's obviously the most the most successful and the most um. You know, interesting kind of like I call it DIY uh, football project because it was pretty much done. The club was created by one man Uh because we all wanted them to succeed with the beautiful stadium, with the um, very good uh, marketing what they do uh to ma- finally make it to champions league at and that's his uh, dream uh, sergei galski to play in champions league with his own um, players who are from the academy uh, but i th- i don't think i don't see them as title contenders i see them as being in top 5 and uh, fighting for europa league and um, potentially champions league but i don't i i think they're missing um, that winning mentality and that just winning experience i'm not sure if i'm right but
0: that's how i feel about them and what do you think uh, Andrew. Yeah, I think um, I think I, I agree with Tim. To be honest, I I am a big fan of their project, and long term they won't have any trouble because of their fantastic academy. And actually, the academy itself, although they have made some signings, like you mentioned, Christian Cueva is going to be an exciting player to watch, potentially. Um, Stotsky, Dmitry Stotsky, that's a fantastic signing. His versatility and, and energy will be a, a big asset. Not necessarily starting every time, but to have him in the squad will be a big bonus. But it's the, the academy players, are the ones that I'm particularly excited about. And, of course, Ivan Ignatiev stands out for his incredible youth season where he was top scorer in the UEFA Youth League. And a lot of people, when when smolof really did look like he was going out the door, said, you know what, I'm not overly worried. Ignatiev is, I mean, why why not throw Ignatiev in? That was the whole plan yeah. that Tim mentioned of... of um, of Galitsky, he wants these academy players. And this is the first generation to genuinely come through and be even close to being ready. Um, you know, uh, Ilya Zhigulov has come come back on loan. Perhaps he'll get a few more games. These could genuinely be the players, not just in a romantic Galitsky vision, but actually, seriously, on a footballing sense, could be the players that make the difference. Um Smolov, I've been a huge fan of for a long time, and I admit sentiment came into it because he saved Ural from relegation virtually single-handedly a few years ago. Um, But if I'm being brutally honest, the World Cup is not something you should judge players on, but even before the World Cup, his second half of the season was virtually non-existent at club level. And I'm not entirely sure what the best thing to do with him was.
1: Well, I think his stock fell massively in the second half of the season. And then, of course, he, he should have maybe gone on a transfer in the winter when his stock was really high, or maybe last summer. Now I don't think it's going to happen anymore. I think he's, um, he's, he's missed the train on that. He's, he's stepped, uh, he's, he's basically yeah. waited too long. Um, like Yamal did before him. Yeah. I
2: think it's mostly the World Cup that he just really, that's, that's just his stock for after the World Cup. He had some chances to leave, but the World Cup was the only player who, who, who had negative World Cup experience in the Russia team, in my opinion, is small. if yeah. He really, really made that.
1: Well, he looked bad in that first game against Saudi Arabia, and he's never really got his legs going. And then Zuba, of course, was such a hero, right? Yeah. Such Which an emotion. I mean
0: the, the way the way that Chichesov brutally dropped him was absolutely right and justified. Yeah. I mean, I would never have said that a month or two months before exactly. the World Cup. Juba it, should be playing ahead. And yeah. I don't think many people would have.
1: But it worked, um, right? I mean, that's the right. thing. It, it worked, is, exactly.
0: Yeah. People people will see that. They'll see a slightly round-edged, blunt instrument like Juba is more effective than Smolov, then yeah. Smolov isn't really up so much. And, um I don't know. I think, I think you're right. I think he missed the train money. Last summer, his stock was high. Clubs were interested in him. And I think he was probably right at the time to not be overly impressed by an offer from West Ham. But now I think he'd probably be lucky to get an offer from West Ham. And he won't, and I'm because not.
1: They signed, they signed Yamolenko from Dortmund, right? So they have no interest in bringing in another player. Well,
0: I mean, the, the point I'm making is more about the club of that yeah. stature and I actually don't think um and I'm not saying that because West Ham are a great side, they really are not. In fact, quite the opposite. Um uh I think Yamalenko should be looking to move on after West Ham, but um I don't think Smolov is gonna get the offers that he wants. Now the offers he'll get won't be tempting enough for him to leave Russia, so I don't think he's going anywhere.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I think he's gonna probably stay across on um, when you look at the, the clubs that have now, that are now looking for strikers, I mean, Dortmund are desperately looking at strikers and they're not even considering him anymore. So that I think says everything. Um, I want to move it though, um, real quickly to the new boys in town, guys. Um, and Andrew, this is sort of your territory. <laughs> uh, Soweto, Sovetov, Yenisei and Orenburg, new to the, the Russian Football Premier League. Um, really, only one of those three teams is new, new, right? Because um we've seen Krylia Sovetov and Orenborg in the recent past. Um, Yenisei, yeah. of course, we have another team in the Far East. I, I'm pretty sure everyone in Moscow and Saint Petersburg is just absolutely thrilled about that. Although sanita <laughs> are getting, I guess they're getting, as you said, they're getting. They're lucky they, they only have to travel halfway to Tumen. Halfway is still about 4,000 kilometers, just to put that into perspective. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tell us about the new boys, Andrew. Well,
0: I mean, I'll, t- I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on Orenburg first. Orenberg are the bane of my life as a Tumen fan because, I mean, I'm without being – well, okay, I am going to be a bit biased, but I ain't generally me- I do mean this – Seriously, of all the teams that Tumen have faced in the second tier in the Feniel, um, Orenburg are the are the only side that I genuinely felt us are, are like three classes above. Every time we've played them, they they've just been so much more organised. They they're not a Fennell side; they should be a Premier League side. Um, now, the concern I have for them this time round is that they haven't really reinforced enough. They brought in a good keeper, uh, Dovnyo. I think he will do very well for them. Uh, and they've actually stolen one of our two men players, Andrea Chukhanov, a uh, former locomotive Moscow youth player. And Chukhanov is a very, very talented player. But he, for a long time, he was he was seen as one of those fancy dads who had a few tricks in his locker but didn't really produce when their going got tough. Last season, however... Probably, ironically, the hardest season Tuman have had in the last three years. He really, really exploded and he became a mature player. He played wing-back. He played out wide on the wing further forward. He played as a central striker. And I actually think he could be very good for them. Uh, they also have one of my favourite Feneil players ever, um, Vadim Afonin, who uh, I thought it was telling. He went to Angie last summer and he jumped ship from Angie back to Orenburg in the winter Pretty much knowing that Orenburg would have better bet long term, and and I actually agree with that. So Orenburg will be they'll be tough to beat, but they have let a lot of their side go, so they're they're a bit up in the air for me really. Um, so of the three promoted sides, I think Yenisei are going to be the toughest uh, to beat. They're going to be they're going to be a good side because they basically shoplifted in an entire Premier League side. They've they've brought in Amkar PM's best players. Tosna's best players and three or four others all with Premier League experience uh, and they of course have um, somebody you're rather fond of Tim Elenichev in charge mm-hmm. who who's who's now got promoted twice in, in three or four years so the NSA, I'd say are the strongest of the three um, but for personal reasons I'd be happy to see Orenberg go down
2: mm-hmm. I just want to add that uh, for the listeners maybe who don't really follow the Russian Premier League we need to note that Amkar got disbanded and uh, they're not a club anymore so that therefore we have three new teams joining the premier league two teams um uh, f- who actually won their place to 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 be there and then um anji who got relegated they they're, they're back yeah lucky anji um, yeah, yeah but but there, there are issues with uh, AG uh, apparently they didn't have the money they couldn't find the money to go to their first away game so they 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 were able to buy the tickets to get there but they're not sure if they can come back. so this is just the first game of the season so I'm I this is my relegation
0: <laughs> potential candidate number one. Mine too, absolutely. I, I back you on that one, Tim. Definitely. And, and uh, I'm the oracle, yeah. So you know. And
1: Andriy, and uh, and and of course, have. was relegated playing against yenisei right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, well, that's how they were relegated. As, as you point out, they were allowed to stay in. Um, not sure the Russian football Premier League officials are going to be happy with that decision long term because. <laughs> Yeah, as you said, yeah, they're they're having financial issues and they can't even afford the the, the plane ticket back. So we, yeah, we might see them, um, we might see them getting disbanded. You know, sitting in Ural at the airport and Yekaterinburg at the airport, not knowing how to get
0: back. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, hang on, hang on a second, fellas. Are we talking about Angie in trouble with chaos? That yeah. doesn't sound right. No, that sounds <laughs> pretty normal. Um,
1: but. We had this, we had this with, um, Alanya Vladikavkas in the second division where they weren't able to pay, to, to pay their away travel, right? And they would just then, uh, lose games on purpose by not traveling there. And, um, I'm, I'm curious to see how this whole Angie story will pay, pay out, play out in the end because we could very well see this team fold. And this would be the second year in a row that a team in, in the top flight in Russia would fold. And I think with Angie, I mean, it wouldn't really hit one of the worst teams, uh, probably a team that's long overdue, just being disbanded, to be quite frank. But, I mean, it doesn't speak well, it wouldn't have spoken well for Russian football if it does happen, right, Andrew?
0: Well, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, I jest about them being terrible, but it, the, the deeper issue is that it is something we're not surprised about, and that's the worrying part. Um, it's... It's been a hell of a summer. I mean, the Feniel, my league, of course, again, I'm I'm going to talk about Tumen for a moment again, fellas, but um, my word, I was sweating on that decision. Five teams in the relegation zone, and they're all still in the league because of so many teams folding and getting accepting voluntary relegation, financial issues, registrations not being granted. It's been one of the most chaotic summers and depressing summers and worrying summers and the, I think the thing that worries me the most, and it's going to sound awful, but it's not the fact that some clubs have gone out of business altogether, but the fact that I don't genuinely in my heart believe the Russian Football Union, the, the leagues, are going to do a great deal about it. They, they, they never seem to put long-term thought into what is needed. They spent money on this rebranding that we mentioned at the top of the show. Um They spent time and effort on them. They trumped it—a new start. It's like, well, it's not a new start for clubs that have completely disappeared. What are you going to do about that? And I can't honestly say I believe that they—they they will care enough yeah. to be honest. There needs to be licensing,
1: this- in my opinion. Like there is in Germany and France, very tough licensing measures. If you can't prove that you have enough money, and in, in Germany they have to have the money on a bank account and it needs to be there, right? They need to—they need to be able to prove that the money is there to finance the whole season. As they have laid it out and the same in France, maybe that's something that they need to have in, in Russia as well. There needs to be open finances. And if a team like Anchi can't can't prove that, well, goodbye. You're going to the third division. Or even lower. I think that's really something that needs to be happening um, at
2: this point. See, but that's the yeah. issue with the government owned clubs. Because yeah. that's it's not the money. That's the, the issue which we discussed a million times on this podcast. And yeah when you have when you government owned club you can't really show money on 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 your bank account because it's coming from the budget and that's the big issue i totally agree with you there should be way more stricter um uh, qualification to be in the league but um, yeah with this current system it's just hard to put in place
1: yeah unfortunately because we we are basically in a situation that we were in last year right where we I the season hasn't even kicked off. We might see, yeah. a team, we might see a team already be disbanded. So yeah, we'll keep, we keep an eye on that story. Um, I want to cap this off, guys, the Europa League action. Yes, you heard me right. Europa League. It's, um, July 24th. We're going to have our first Europa League matches in two days. And, um, this is going to be across the entire football ground network because we also got a German team in, in Europa League. And it's, uh, speaking of German teams, Andrew, you did the preview for UFA against Domzale. This is a team that I yeah. remember very well from last year because they knocked out Freiburg at this stage of uh, the Europa Ooh. League last year. Um, since you've written the preview for footballgrad.com, I want to hear your thoughts on this particular match and UFA's chances to go through to the next round.
0: Well, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled to see a, a small club like Ufa and a very young club as well. Don't forget, they only started playing seven and a half years ago, um, and to, to see them in European football is is absolutely fantastic. Their actual chances on the pitch, well, their squad has been. I think their best, their best bit of business was signing um, Sylvester Igboon to a new two-year contract. That was a really really good move because he could easily have been snapped up if not. By now, at least after a few showings in the Europa League, players would see a, a guy of his pace and power um now i mean dom charlie i've i've never watched them play. I will confess, but from from reading up about them they they actually do have a lot of history they've won the Slovenian League twice in the last uh last decade or so, and they've qualified for europe well the qualifiers of the Europa League every year pretty much in the last twelve years and and they, they were only knocked out by Marseille in the final preliminary round last year. So they're not to be messed with at all. Now they have a few players who could be dangerous for Ufa. They have a Jamaican international, um, who I've picked out as my player to watch in the footballgrad.com preview. Um uh blah blah My name has just escaped me just when I need to say it. Um but um they have some dangerous players, and I think I think Ufa's strength is their home form. So it's going to be critical that they they don't give an away an away goal. I actually expect them to win this game, uh, and I think they will do. Uh, poss- it won't be a, it won't be a big score. i one 0 will do fine. Um, and if they can take that back to Slovenia, uh, this might be one of the tougher games they'll actually have to play to make group stages. But will they make the group stages? That's quite a big ask, if I'm honest, because there are some. But there's AZ Alkmaar for example they're playing in yeah. this round and they're a former Dutch champion so if Ufa make it to the group stage that will be an absolutely incredible achievement and um, it's two
1: more rounds right it's a long way still
0: two, two more rounds to go exactly yeah. so um, there's some big game, big games still to come Domzali though I think they should win on Thursday uh, they'll have just enough it's a long journey for Domzali and um, Ufa know how critical it is to win that home leg so I think they will. I think I'll have just enough.
1: And the Jamaican to watch is Sharma Nicholson. I'm did. i, okay, I, I I'm not going to lie. It's not top of my head. I had to Google it. Um But yeah, that's <laughs> one of the games that we're previewing. We're also going to preview uh, U-Garden against Mariupol, the Ukrainian side that's starting at this uh, this round. Um We're going to keep an eye, of course, at Ukrainian football throughout the season as well. I'm going to have Vadim Formanov off. He's uh, currently... In Europe, traveling the world, so we'll have him back to talk to us about Ukrainian football very soon. Um, the Europa League, of course, uh, is is basically our final point today. We we'll manage, managed to get through all of it, guys. I'm gonna put each of you um, a question to each of you, and this is a one-word answer. Andrew, who's going to win the Russian Football Premier League? Zenit. Okay. Tim? Spartak Moscow. Okay. Really, Tim. <laughs> that's uh, a shocker. I'm, I'm absolutely shocked by that answer. I'm I'm going completely left field and I'm going with I'm with Krasnodar. Yeah, I'm going to get butchered for that one later on. Anyways, boys, that's it. Um first first club podcast of the season. Done. Um, Tim, where can people find you? Where can people um, listen to you? Um, the floor is yours.
2: Um, they can find me on Russian Tim sixty one on Twitter and uh, Rocket from Russia on Instagram. I'm doing a three day music festival, Rocket from Russia Fest, in Vancouver in the end of August, and uh, it's going to be great celebration of local music. And I'm spending a lot of time doing that. So this is this is where my focus is till the end of summer.
0: Excellent
1: stuff, Andrew. How about you?
0: Well, I'm on Twitter at Andrew M I J Flint, and I will be getting stuck into more football grad previews as they come along, uh, and also hopefully getting involved in a bit more video reporting this season. So um, I'll be doing a lot of that for footballgrad.com. I'll also be doing Ronnie Dog Media, who I did my World Cup work with too. So. Um, That'll be on on Twitter and on Instagram. Just search and you'll find it. And I'll be doing a lot of work with them too.
1: And you'd be a fool not to follow that. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. Those videos were absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, we all enjoyed the the beer,
0: the haircut, and the, the haircut. Yeah, yeah. I have I have had a haircut since then. I will say as well. Bro, so. Oh my God!
1: Yeah, we'll have to for the football grad videos. So I will make you. <laughs> But yeah, you, you mentioned it. So yeah, we're going to have a little bit more video work this season. That's um, We're going to try to have a weekly on the Russian Football Premier League um, by you, right, Andrew? Um, similar format to those who followed yeah. me on, on Twitter um, throughout the World Cup. A short 2 minutes and 20 seconds on, on the league every week. Uh, I'm going to do something similar on, on the Bundesliga and, of course, all the other things that are going on in the Football Club Network. Um, probably a bi-weekly or twice a weekly, um, actually. Then you can find those at Manuel Veth on my personal Twitter. And of course, they're all going to get retweeted at Football Grad Live. You can find this podcast at Football Grad Live and you can find, um, the, the Game Pressing Podcast is out. Um you can find out at football grad live um, with some with some new transfer news on the Bundesliga some exciting stuff if you're Vancouver right listening in uh, Tim <laughs> brings up Vancouver um there's there's a hopefully we're going to have a kid playing for Bayern who means a lot to Canadians at the moment so that's all at football grad life. I've been your host Manuel Weff until next week, Dos Vernya. <laughs>